Good day and welcome to the Story of America with me, your host, DeAndre Pace, and co-host, Rhett Williams. We've got a very interesting show for you guys today on this Christmas day. Our Christmas special, we're going to be covering a wide range of topics today. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the topics are because I think it's going to spoil the fun. So let's get let's get right into it. And um, I think I want to start it off on a light on a on a light topic. I mean, it's light because we can poke fun at it. But in the same venue, it is definitely tragic. And that's Biden's. President Biden's cognitive decline. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing it so much with this guy. Uh, you know, you, he had this major gaffe where he's um, basically saying, fuck Joe Biden, or I'll beep that part. <laughs> uh, it's basically, basically saying, you know, F Joe Biden live on TV. Uh, you could see the, dis, the displeasure on Jill Biden's face because she knew exactly what was going on. But Biden, he just kept going on. He had he had no idea his brain had left him. Oh, this was a caller. Oh my God, man. Whoever this caller is, you know, you deserve you deserve the Nobel Prize. I mean, the dude just said I agree. Like like he he really this is the like this is the climax of the cognitive decline. He actually agreed to somebody else saying "fuck you," and he's like, "Yeah, fuck me." <laughs> and, and you know what the you know what the sad thing is is that uh, the look on his face, like he had no idea that he just got insulted. No. No, no, he hasn't. How can he have any idea? If he, he wouldn't have said, I agree, if he had any idea. Oh, I mean, he would have it, realized that that dude just said, fuck you on live TV. Which, But you know what this also I mean, says about, you know what this also says about Joe Biden, though? It also says to the American people that Joe Biden's not really paying attention to what the country is actually thinking. Joe Biden's not really paying attention He's to anything. He's incapable of paying attention. Yeah. I don't know if he's incapable. He, he, I think he doesn't he has, even know who he is. I think he has chosen from the very get-go not to care what the country thinks, not to care what the country's thinking, not to care what they feel. He just got it. He just wants to push the agenda that his handlers are telling him because let's, let's face it, that Joe Biden's staffers are not just regular staffers. They are the people that literally pull his strings. They keep him alive. Look, this is my theory. And I used to be I used to let him, you know, give him a little bit more leeway, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't think that Joe Biden is orchestrating the downfall of the country. I think that he was picked in advance because he was incapable of paying attention to the downfall of the country. And they also have a convenient scapegoat to blame it on after he dies. They'll just be like, well, we didn't know he was the one doing it. You know, he was in charge and then they can all act clueless while they were really behind the scenes puppeteering him. I would have to agree. I would have to agree and disagree with you. I agree with you that they are behind the scenes puppeteering him and that they will use it as an excuse. But I believe 100% that Biden knows exactly what he's doing when he's 
destroying this country. Biden uh, was asked certain questions. I think you're uh, giving him too much credit. I don't know. I mean, hear me. I out. mean, maybe he does, but what I'm saying, not capable anymore of. Biden was of, asked for certain questions years ago. For instance, uh, I think it was like, well, yeah, that's years ago, though. No, I'm saying, I'm saying this. For years ago, I think it was like ten or twelve years ago, he was asked a question about how do we how do we get out of Afghanistan. His answer was basically what he did to get out of Afghanistan, which was just get out and fuck the rest. He so there is some degree of he knows what the hell he's doing because he said these things before. He's told people before he what he knows plans on doing it, and he just goes about doing it. He and the thing about the thing, the thing I think it is of him is he goes about doing whatever hell he wants to do, and he doesn't care about the consequences. He doesn't care to hear what everybody else says. When you listen to him, when he actually gives questions, when he when he actually uh, takes questions at his press conferences, which I know it's very rare, I've watched them. Um, he says all of the time. That he doesn't pay attention to his poll ratings. He doesn't pay attention to what the people are saying about him, to what people are thinking. He says he doesn't even watch it. He doesn't care. So there's a there's a degree in him of yeah, he knows what the fuck he's doing. He just doesn't care what the fuck he's doing. I'm not going to give him oh. this. The, I'm not going to give him the excuse of being a a uh, declining old geezer uh, to get him out of this pass of being a horrible president who has intentionally just thrown us down the shitter. Well, I wasn't trying to let him off the hook. You know, I still think he's certainly to some degree. I mean, I was obviously exaggerating. You know, he's it's it's to the point where he's having to be handled because he's so far gone. Well, I think he was there at the beginning because, I mean, clearly the Joe Biden for 2012 and the Joe Biden from 2020 uh, are two different people, entirely two different people. They are two different people. They certainly are. And he, he was a gaff machine back then, even before that. But the difference between 2012 and now is just like, it's it's not even night and day. It's just like this is not the same person. Oh, it's two different. You know, planets. He, he look. He seems like he's just an NPC now, who's just running off the program that, of the old one. But really, that Biden left. You know, he's passed on, and this guy just is basically like an automaton who has all of his ideas still in his head, and he's just running off the old programming. But you know, he finds it difficult because. He's actually not the one who's calling the shots anymore. He's just on autopilot because, well, I mean, that's how it, seems, that's, that's how it appears to me. I'm not saying that that's what's going on, but that, that's what it seems like. That's how it seems to me. I mean, you can't make up some of the stuff that's happening with this guy. I mean, this is stuff that literally you would no, never it's, it's say a cartoon. that a president was, was capable of, that a president would even be lumped in with uh, I mean it, it's just it's just not something that you would have ever thought that a president even it's even the cartoon, worst presidents yeah, even, even Reagan 
when he was suffering from Alzheimer's, did not have this decline. They just gotten so blatant with it. I mean, come on now. This is this is like literally like a simulation. This is a cartoon. They're basically just like, how are we? How are we, like, actually living in this timeline where the crazy has become absolutely normal? We don't even bat an eye. This is normal stuff. I wonder. Uh, sometimes I think about all the possibilities of the different kind of timelines, and not just me in my personal life, but the country as a whole. Like, oh. Things would be very different if this had happened. And we somehow got stuck in the timeline where Joe Biden becomes president, but he's lost his mind. And he doesn't have a brain anymore. That's no, the one we if, live in. Even if he did have a brain, I, I still don't see any difference. <laughs> well, technically, nobody has a brain unless you open their skull. Anyway, that's a topic for later. As those are those are uh, some those are some of those people that don't believe things are true if they can't see it. I've heard that a lot of times with people. Those people who believe in the well, strength no, theory. if there's nobody actually around to see anything, that this is a topic for later. Like I said. Anyway, so uh, on to our first Christmas topic. Uh, you know, for the holidays, I think one of the most uh, a central part of the Christmas of the holiday, at least for me, is the food. So let's talk about Christmas traditions. What foods should we keep? What foods should we leave behind going into the new uh, the new year? What do you mean? I like mean, what kind of food should we? I mean, for a traditional Christmas at your household, a traditional Christmas at your household, you know, whether it be turkey, ham, whatever, what foods are we going to keep around a Christmas table in 2022? And what foods are we going to leave behind and replace with something else? I mean, we pretty much have the same stuff every year. I mean... Every once in a while, something will be different, but, you know, sometimes there's just too many courses for me to get a sample of everything, but, you know, I don't, it's fine with me. I'm not really a huge fan of Thanksgiving and Christmas food type food, but I'm, I'm you also, not, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it, but it's not like my favorite. Blasphemy, blasphemy. Ugh. I, I, on the other hand. Well, that's how you know, I can take it or leave it. I, on the other hand, I love to eat. I love food. I sp- I particularly love uh, holiday food, Thanksgiving food, uh, Christmas food. I love stuffing. I've definitely got to keep that. Um, I could I could do without the turkey. I really could do without the turkey. I prefer the ham because the turkey is oftentimes dried out. And then on top of that, uh, it just takes way too long to cook a turkey properly. You know, I, people have, people started deep frying their turkeys because it takes so long to actually roast and be, uh, baste the turkey the right way. Air fryer. 
Uh, no, that takes air-fried. away all of the fla- flavor of basting. How are you going to make your gravy out of a turkey that's been air fried? Dude, I mean, it's, you put it on the, I don't know. I was I mean, just throwing something out there. I mean, you, you use yeah, I mean, you can I, still, you can still season I, it. I'm not saying I'm not talking about the season. I'm talking about when I, when I cook the turkey or when I baste the turkey or really any bird or any piece of meat, uh, the juices that gets left behind, I make my gravy out of, I make my stock out of that. And so when you air fry it, you lose the potential of making that gravy that you would put uh, on on the stuffing or whatever else that you eat gravy with, the rice, the potatoes. You lose a lot of that ability. But, yeah, uh, this isn't something that you guys have to worry about. But in a black family, uh, we have chitlins, and they are disgusting. And I wish... The black people will leave that shit in the past where it belongs. We do not need to be eating hog entrails in uh in the next generation. It smells it smells like shit. Makes your breath smell like shit. Yeah. Well and there's no nutritional value in it at too. all. Yeah. Uh, well I'm never gonna try them. Never. <laughs> I would not advise trying them. Uh, I I also think that I think we need to bring back a tradition in Christmas foods. I have not seen anybody give out a fruit cake since I was in like first grade. Fruit cake. Yes. Fruit you like cake. fruit cake? I enjoy anything that has to do with cake. You already know this. I, I don't even like cheesecake. Oh, oh, I f- oh! You you spent too much time in the north. Uh, you have lost your privilege to be. I've never I've never liked cheesecake. You have lost your privilege to be considered a southerner. There's a reason why we are overweight down here, and you are not doing us any justice. I'm a citizen of the world. Oh, gosh, you're one of them, one of those guys, one of those AOCs. Can't pay taxes because you're a citizen of the world. That's <laughs> okay. not what I mean. Well, that's what they mean when they say it. Well, I didn't know that they used that. Oh, you, you didn't Actually, sell it. Years ago, the world, I was. Okay, I'm, I'm a. Well, think I'm, about this year. Years ago, I watched a video online. It was a, of an arrest, and it was—I think it was a black woman or a white woman. I can't—I don't know. Do you really get to see the color of the woman that well? At least I can't remember if we get to see the color of the woman that well. Police was pulling her over uh, for—I uh, think it was a speeding ticket, or she hadn't—or she was no, she was on her cell phone or something like that. And she gets into a fit and a rage with the police officer calling them all types of slurs and stuff like that and saying that she doesn't have to do any of that stuff because she's a citizen of the world and that the police officer should know the law because she's not a she's a citizen of the world she's a free citizen blah 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 okay i'm a citizen of the united states and i live in mississippi but i 
am a resident of earth. <laughs> and only what I mean by that is I am not just from the South. I'm from here. Although I was born down here and I've lived a lot of my life here. I am, you know, a denizen of planet Earth. Anyway, I, I don't use that for like to get out of anything. It's just symbolic when I say it. <laughs> so uh, let's talk, uh, let's continue on our, on our topic of Biden. Uh, Biden's approval rating, it, it's only gone down. I mean, Biden has officially displaced Jimmy Carter as the worst polled president of United States history. Uh, Kamala Harris is the worst I don't know vice if he president. Polled lower than anyone ever. I think it's just the lowest for him. Uh, then you have Kamala Harris. She is the, the lowest rated vice president in the history of vice presidents. I mean, when you have a combination like that, and Biden has pretty much said that he's going to run again. Well, I don't think he's going to live to see them see it, but he says he's going to run again if his health lets him. That the key word. Man, he's going to be so rickety if he's not dead by then. He's just going to be like uh, a zombie corpse. But but I mean, he's going to I mean, be a necromancer, resurrect him. Yes, the mouth of Sauron is going to be sitting right there, fucking Pelosi. Uh, hell, she, she'll probably be dead by then, too. Uh, but I don't, don't wish tell that. me Obama's a necromancer. Obama is the mouth of Sauron. Oh, actually, Obama is Sauron. Uh, Joe Biden's the mouth right now. And Nancy, uh, Nancy, no, no, I won't say Nancy. Uh, fucking Clinton is the necromancer because she won't go away. She just keeps boohooing on the internet, like hoping the Democrats feel sorry for her and give her Biden's job. Well, now that now, because you take a look yeah, at she, Biden's you know chances, you take a look at Biden's chances Jesus. of winning. Even if she got election. elected, she wouldn't be the first woman president. Well, yeah, true. But then again, I mean, she is talking about running again. I mean, that's what the rumor is, that she's going to run again in 2024 for the rematch between Trump. It's going to be some magical It's going to be a three-way battle against Hillary Clinton, the most corrupt candidate ever run by the Democrats, uh, Donald Trump, the most uh, popular president that was ever elected uh, until, until Joe Biden crushed the record with his 80 million votes. Uh, that are not legitimate. Um, so you're going to have e uh, evil Hillary, uh, Sleepy Joe, and uh, what's a what's a, what's mm -hmm. a nickname for Trump? Because you know, I got I got Crooked Hillary, Sleepy Joe, and what do they call Trump? Nobody calls him the Donald anymore. But Orange Man, know, bad. Uh, it was orangutan. Yeah, okay, I guess you can go there. Uh, I mean, uh, things aren't looking so good with, with this Capitol riot. 
uh, issue being in court. It's not looking so good for him. I don't know. I think I um, think uh, slight, I think slightly differently of it because from what I'm seeing, uh, um, most, a lot of the reports are coming are coming back that most of the responsibility on the Capitol riot, uh, according to the report, seems like it's going to fall on Pelosi's lap and Mitch McConnell's lap. Well, I'm just referring to him trying to prevent the Supreme Court from releasing the documents. I mean, I understand the reason that he he cited was a you know presidential privilege, which that's a valid reason, but I just don't think that it's going to be sufficient. I mean, I could be wrong, and that he's going to be held responsible for any of it. I'm just saying that some people, you know, they might see all that reporting and you know, keep that in mind or something. It might, it might affect him in some kind of way. But well, think of it I this mean, way. It, it might we already, not. we already know that regardless of what happens uh, in 2024, Donald Trump is already, if he, if he, if he decides to run again, he's already going to be 60 million votes behind because you can pretty much guarantee that 60 million votes are going to go Democrat. What he has to be able to do is try to ensure that he swings enough independent votes uh, and he keeps enough Republican votes in order to crush 60 million. You know, I just don't, I mean, it, he, I don't, he might not run again. Then again, he might. I you think know, I he was would probably win if it was Biden. I was talking uh to one of my bosses at work, and I was saying, you know, the problem that I have, you know, my problem with Trump running again is the fact that he'd be too old, in my opinion. I don't want somebody that old uh, as president. But at the same time, as I sat there and we talked, I'm sitting there like, okay, if Trump doesn't do it, who? Who is there on the Republican side that can run, that will, that, that can run that can win. Who is there? And I can't. I can't think. Nobody of Nobody comes to mind, but you know, I, I'm sure there's there's somebody, but nobody just jumps out at me. Now, I on the on the Democrat side, when I when I ask myself the same question, I can get ten names right off the top of the head. I mean, obviously Biden, Buttigieg, Hillary. Pick none of them. They pick none of the good ones. Hillary. Bernie Sanders. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're all freaking octogenarians. They're all, they're all horrible, but but these are names that you know can get across the finish line. I mean that that's Maybe. what I'm talking about. I mean, you already know if Sanders gets in there, he's already going to take about fifty million votes on his own. Well, I don't think that, that there's nobody on the Republican side that jumps out like Trump does. But, you know, that I'm sure there there's somebody. I mean, Ron Paul is thinking of. there's plenty of people that are competent and, and able to do it. I mean, Rand Paul, Paul, is, Rand Paul, maybe. But Rand Paul doesn't seem very presidential to me. 
Oh, I mean, he has the presidential capacity, uh, capacity, if you ask me. The problem with him is his demeanor. Well, He's far too passive to be to uh, to, to even do it in that in that scene. What I'm talking about. I, I think he could do it just fine, but I don't think he would do it just fine. I mean, and then uh, Ben Carson. I don't think Ben Carson wants this anymore. I think Dude, he's no Ben Carson is, is not he he's not the, the type. He just doesn't I think, I don't think he, he has an I think he's you know he's been in the Washington circle since he was the secretary of uh of housing under under Trump, the, the director of HUD, and he's felt and seen the crap that happens in Washington and realized that you can't do shit in Washington. And I think I think that pretty much said it I mean, that was it for ben he's like okay i'm done with you guys i i can i can serve the country some some other way ted yeah, cruz well, he doesn't have he doesn't have the right personality type for it anyway ted yeah, cruz I, maybe yeah but but what but what what does ted cruz have other than being a little wishy-washy when he's on the senate floor and every now and again giving a nice he, filibuster people speech. know who he is People know who he, he does, is. You know, he does talk a good game. Yeah, but when has he ever backed it up? I haven't paid attention to his record. I've just mentioned him. I mean, I'm sure he's attempted somewhat to back. I mean, I think that he at least tries. At the very I would least. give him that. I would give him that credit. Then you have uh, Ron DeSantis. He just became the governor of California, uh, not California, uh, Florida. So I in no way see uh, Rand Paul as wanting to do that. I mean, the only other person that came up was Ron DeSantis because, well, the pandemic kind of highlighted him, made everybody know who he was because he welcomed the ships there to the ports in Florida. So it has given him a lot of name recognition, but no, I don't know. He, he maybe maybe he'll run. My, my opinion on him is, is he just became governor of Florida. He he hasn't had the time yeah, to fix Florida but, yet, uh, and so I don't think he wants to leave that position just yet to go into something that's a much larger scale issue than Florida. I don't think Marco Rubio would run again. I, um, oh, I don't think I don't anybody, think anybody wants him to. Rubio. Yeah, no. Uh, Nobody wants Jet Bush to run. Uh, again, no, nobody wants another Bush. Uh, uh, who's that? Uh, that congressman, the Navy SEAL with the eye patch. Uh, I can't remember his uh, name. Dan, Dan, Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, people know who he is. Yeah, but the thing about Crenshaw is, is Crenshaw is so new to politics in general. Uh, that he has no reason. There's no reason for anybody to even put him on a ballot for presidency. Maybe we're not looking in the right place. Maybe it's not. You know, Donald Trump wasn't a politician. All we're that's talking about is politicians. That, that's what I'm saying. The po- politicians are horrible for this spot. So who on the conservative side is there? Because the conservatives aren't really aren't really talking up. Uh, what about Mike Lindell? I don't think he wants that position, though. No, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. 
Yeah, I mean um, that, that's what that's what it comes down to. Uh, who was there? <laughs> who was there? Who was there? <laughs> I I mean that's competent and that would do it well. I I can't really. I mean in the business world, Donald you know, Trump um, Jr. <laughs> Ivanka. No, are we gonna have a, go over to Are we gonna have a Trump dynasty because nobody else wants to do the damn thing? I don't know, man. We're just gonna have to wait to see what happens, like always. But you know, I mean, quite cause... quite literally with this one, because I mean, I can't think of anybody at all. Well, not Trump, I mean, nobody who... expected twenty sixteen. So, you know, anything could happen between now and then. You know, that's a long time away. Especially in, in, in the world of politics, that's an eternity. Anything could, you know, it might be somebody that hadn't even gotten any name recognition yet. It could be some nobody right now that, you know, I mean, within that, a year, all of a sudden everybody's remember, wanting them to. That's true, because remember, Beto was a nobody. And then he got really big in Texas for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why he got famous. Probably just because he's so awkward. Doesn't he skateboard? Yeah, he skateboards. <laughs> a grown a grown as a man of his age out there shredding, uh what what do they call it? Shred, shredding. Yeah, shredding. like I I mean I can understand I can understand if you're Tony Hawk, but you know, you're not Tony Hawk. You you're fucking, you didn't make your living doing that. Get off that board. You fucking Robert Francis O'Rourke. How did you get Beto out of that? I don't know. Beethoven. No, I apologize for that. <laughs> yes, you anyway. you should. You just you insulted one of the greatest bro, I can't musicians believe, ever. I can't believe Herman Cain died, bro. Uh, yeah, Herman Cain would have been great, but you know he's dead. So Rip Herman. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. G. Thanks, China. He killed Herman Cain. But then again, at the same time, Herman Cain's also uh, in the same category as Trump for me. Too fucking old. Because I was also going to say, it's time for you to retire, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas. (laughs) And run for president, but Clarence Thomas will be too old, too. (laughs) What happened to all the competent 50-year-olds? 45 to 50. Why can't we just get somebody who's Actually, young and got ideas and can why, run why, things. Why There's nobody why that fits the be, bill. Why can't it be me? I, I won't be old enough, but <laughs> you know, I you know, I, you know, I think I think in about ten years, you and I should run for president and vice president, and whoever wins should have the other one be yeah. their vice. Have the other one be their vice president, and then oh, when I go, when I win after you. And then we come back in there. I put you as my vice president, or you put me as your vice president. So we effectively get uh, sixteen years. <laughs> yeah, there is no way. Uh, I would. I couldn't do that. You know how much freedom you have to give up to be a president? You can't just. You can't do anything by yourself. Yeah, freedom is overrated. <laughs> well. I actually think that that is what's, not the best place to make a difference now. What, what's, 
What's freedom? Ago. What's freedom if you don't have a country uh, to come back to? If the country doesn't make it to the point where we are old enough to become presidents, well, I mean, what is freedom? Well, you find out when you don't have it. No, we don't have it now. Or, or we have it just in very small supply. Or at least a shrinking supply, should I say. I mean, you okay. heard what Fauci said, right? I definitely don't agree with you there. I've been to prison, so I know what it's actually like to lose your freedom. I do know what you're saying, though. I mean, you but, know what Fauci, Fauci no. just said, uh, what, a couple of days ago, that these these mask mandates uh, on flights and in schools should be permanent? Like, Yeah, I mean, people have been saying that. I don't think anybody's going to do it. Hey, they've already based. They've already done it in California, and in New York, where they yeah, fired. Of course, they would do it there. I mean, they fired an entire sector of employees, the healthcare workers, the ones that were out there running around dying with COVID, helping everybody else. They've just fired a hell of a lot of them because they won't take the shot. This is what I think it's going to come down to. All right. That financial crisis has been looming in the distance. It's going to come within the next five years, most likely. And it's not just going to be a, a nationwide. It's going to be a global economic crisis, a meltdown, a financial meltdown. I think the stock market, all the world's uh, markets are going to be crashing. The, the, val- the, do- the dollar's value will probably be next to nothing. And at that point, this is just predictions I'm making. I think at that point, the dollar associated with the nation, the nation state will, you know, all those currencies will be valueless. And then cryptocurrencies will come in and take that spot because they'll be the only thing that still has value and they're decentralized and they're not controlled by any government. So at that point, that's probably going to, you know, governments will probably lose the, their monopoly on the financial system, but, this is what's going to come next in the United States. I don't know if I'd agree. With We're at such that. a point now where it's not clear whether or not the two sides can actually, can we have even have a country? Because, you know, you could speak, you can try to debate, but once the, the thing is that one side doesn't even believe in debate, they believe that debate is just a, another control tactic of the evil patriarchy. So why should I talk to you? And that's oh, yeah. their attitude. I mean- I mean, Pelosi's Pelosi it's admitted not clear that, that we're speaking the same the language. And hold on, let me finish. I'm almost done with my rant. It's not clear that we're even speaking the same language anymore, or that's ever going to be a possibility again. So the question is going to be, okay, it doesn't appear that we can have a country together. I think that that's the inevitable. I don't, it might not be a civil war, but it might. It might be. But I think it's mostly going to look like what what we've seen. I mean. A lot of many of the major cities around the country and even some lesser cities have turned into war zones already. I mean, well, I mean, 10 that, years ago, this was. Un- I mean, that, that's what happens when you de- when you decriminalize crime or at least destigmatize uh, what crime. Uh, but I mean, in, in areas, you're correct, because Pelosi has basically come out and said that she doesn't even listen to the other side when they speak. Uh, in Congress about trying to get stuff done. She doesn't even listen. She's the, she's yeah, the that's a problem. That's a huge problem. That brings everything to the floor for votes. 
then at the at the same time, I have to disagree on certain aspects of that because in this financial crisis, uh, it's already here. The problem is how long is it going to stay, and to how uh, to what degree is it going to affect us before the end of the decade? And in my opinion, by the end of the decade, it will be the greatest depression in the history of the world. Uh, to a degree that we have never seen before. The Great Depression would not have even prepared us for what we would be able to see. At the same time, I happen to disagree with the idea that cryptocurrency will be the saving grace of our market because the value of cryptocurrency- oh, Hold on, hold on. That's not what I said. That is not what I said at all. I didn't say anything positive. I just made a passing comment. No, I'm, no, I'm not, not a I'm saving saying, grace, just a dominant currency. I'm saying that's, that's what I'm talking about, the currency value of it because- when it comes down to it, cryptocurrency's value or its intrinsic value was based on our ability to be, to to buy goods without having the money be traceable. Uh, no, that's not what its value is built on at all. Bitcoin, for example, is generated through mining, and new bitcoins don't get created unless people who are actually they have a mine set up, which is a computer basically. They have to solve you know, in, incredibly intricate puzzles in order to put more Bitcoin into the market. And all the other Bitcoins are also based on something in a different sector of the market. So they are, they, they're not just based on nothing and it's not all about well, see, that's what um, I, that's, anonymous. That's, that's just a byproduct. That's where my point comes across as, is the, the reason why our economy is going to be in shambles is because right now it's based off of venture debt. With, with the Federal Reserve, it's not based off of anything tangible. It's not based off of gold anymore. Bitcoin is based off of what's in the market. It's not. It's also not based off of a gold standard. So if we don't have something as tangible as uh, gold or precious metals or silver or any anything, anything that's connected to the market that we that we are currently thriving in right now is going to have no well, intrinsic there's value. There's not enough gold. There's not enough gold in the world you know our gold standard is nowhere See, near the, the amount of money the, that we're in debt not even close that's the reason why it's so important to go on that standard the reason why we're able to be in this much debt is because our paper is worth only as much money as the people are telling us are the read i mean you you know as well as i do that the economics is is all about scarcity of goods and if gold is gold and other precious metals, diamonds, silver, other things are in such scarce demand, then our price caps should never exceed the amount of gold that is actually physically tradable or uh, if we were on a gold standard. But because we aren't on any type of standard that money is tangible, it's just based off of market evaluation. It's based off of debt. So if the market were to tank, there's no way that anybody would be able to get any of the money because it's not based on anything. It's just based on word of mouth, pretty much. Okay, listen to this. Hmm. I found three popular gold-backed crypto projects. Can't, it hasn't loaded, but apparently there is... Second. Okay, top gold peg cryptocurrency. I actually didn't know that there 
that there's literally thousands of cryptocurrencies out there, but they're all based on something, but apparently there are some that are actually based on gold. Tether gold, Meta gold, AABV gold token, Pax gold, Aorus gold. Hmm. Perth mint gold token. Where have you gone? Hello. Yeah. I didn't know if you could hear me. But yeah, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm still thinking. Uh We have we, we have to be based on something. So, in my in my opinion, I don't think I don't think it's going to get any worse. You say five years, I say we're already there. Uh, the problems that happen from inflation. Oh, it's going to get much worse. Oh yes, absolutely. But I say you know when we when we are seeing these uh, these price hikes uh, and actually feeling the effects of inflation. Uh, and actually being able to see it tangibly, then the mounted issues are already rooted in. There's no, there is no return from this. It has to run its course in order for us to be able to get back to some form of uh, a fiscal correctionary cycle. And the way things are going right now, government is not going to let that correctionary cycle happen and this depression is going to probably last longer than the great depression did because government's going to keep trying to help the market recover and they're going to do worse than what fdr did of how long he prolonged it by trying to help it recover and they're going to wind up i mean this depression is going to last a long time a long time pause With regards to how long the global financial 
crisis will last? Well, it's going to last a different amount of time depending on what part of the world you're in. But yeah, it's probably still it's going to, probably going to be a long time before it completely clears up. It might never. Right? It might be you know just a decade. I I I am predicting fifteen years at the minimum. I think the evidence is showing us that it's going to be long. If history is our guide, uh, you know the the F, uh, FDR extended it extended it by about five years on on top of the depression. Uh, so I think that fifteen years, maybe twenty. I don't like the odds of it actually being anything that is decent uh, as far as timing. It's not decent, obviously, because it's inflation. Uh, but it's going to affect a lot of people. And that's why I've been trying to get as many people uh, as I know now to get in, to get started um, with the idea of investing in the market when it starts to tank. Because ultimately, the market always does recover, even when it is declining. And the depression is still uh, in a uh, bell curve. It's still going to go back up and recover. So and once it, once everything crashes, I still say invest as much as you can, as much as you can afford to. It would be much more difficult to do that because nobody will be able to afford anything. But whatever savings that you may have that you aren't using to uh, stop yourself from being homeless, should go into the market for to prepare for that eventual recovery. Now, the problem that comes from this depression that's going to happen is, oh, it's going to be the competition uh, for the leading superpowers of the world. That's where the problem comes from. That's where we start to get in, in real major trouble. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, I believe Putin. I don't believe Joe. Speaking of Putin, let's go ahead and bring that topic up. So we've got some uh, legitimate reasons to believe in the threat of World War III with what has been said not only by Putin, but by our United States Congress with the threat of nuclear war over Ukraine. Yeah, Roger Wicker, I think, was the first to speak on that. And that clip with him on, on Neil Cavuto's show, if you go and watch it, that should, I mean, that's, it's pretty terrifying. The way that he's talking, he's, he's speaking in a very irresponsible way, talking reckless, basically. I mean, I hope he knows that Putin is listening to him. He's probably watching him on repeat, just laughing. Like, do you hear this idiot from the, what a redneck? I mean, but now it's not just Roger Wicker. He's just not speaking. You know, he's speaking for the establishment. That's how they feel. 
they're actually willing to risk nuclear war to save Ukraine. I mean, they just got to kind of, you know, let go. You know, Ukraine not being occupied by Russia is not worth the possibility of global destruction. Well, at the same time, um, uh, what what do we gain in the process of protecting Ukraine? What do we gain? It's not like we have. It's not, it's not like we're going to be able to put a nuclear base right there, like we like we threatened to do in Cuba for so long. Uh, with the, with all of that, what what do we gain? By constantly going back and forth into the Ukraine, and and doing and doing this, so I understand that the Ukraine, there are allies; they want to be protected. But at the same time, what has Ukraine done for America? What do we get from them in all of this? That's one of the things that I think people really enjoyed about Donald Trump, even if they were liberal, was that he made these uh, so-called allies pay for our services like what are what are we getting out of this we're going to risk in our lives for for free I, I just don't think that a lot of these countries have anything to give us i mean we just kind of we've been doing this forever that's the biggest problem with imperialism is once you start going places and thinking that you are the police of the world uh, you you run into a problem where you are excessively uh, uh, encroaching on the borders of other people, and you are putting yourself as a demand uh, at very little cost, and in many cases, no cost. So uh, you go you you go develop a country. Say say there's an island out in the middle of the Pacific, and it's and it's. Uh, rich in natural resources, it's a real small island, but you went out and found it. Uh, the first thing that you're going to do is seek out the United States as some form of protectorate. I mean, the demand is so high to have them get involved in protecting you from potential enemies. And what and what do we get out of it? Be able to, you know, just put a couple thousand troops right there, and we get access to uh, your your resources however few they may be yeah i don't i don't we don't get it it's costing us money but i don't think the reason that we necessarily do it is for something obviously that's not the reason we're doing it it's just old obligations old treaties you know being in nato has been an issue i think we should probably kick the united nations out of our country i mean we started it it's and now it's just nothing but trouble and most of these global organizations are nothing but trouble because how can we, you know, you put all these countries together to make this governing body that actually not a governing body. It's not supposed to be, but it tries to act like, you know, it's the head government of the world. So, I, you know, you can have alliances, you can have meetings, you can have treaties, negotiations, de- trade deals, whatever. But, you know, the United Nations has not worked out that well. I, I absolutely agree. It hasn't I absolutely you know, agree. I think that we, we haven't had another world war yet. Not yet, but that's the key word. And that's only because that there hasn't been anything to fight over. Well, 
there had been lots of things to fight over. We just have been, you know, well, mutually assured destruction has been a strong deterrent. And thankfully, there hasn't been any suicidal world leaders. But if Hitler had those bombs, he would have launched them. He would have destroyed the world. We do have some And all suicidal. it takes is just one maniac like that. We, we do have a suicidal world leader. Let, let's, let's not kill ourselves. We do have a suicidal world leader uh, over, over there with the, in the jihad uh, in Iran and Afghanistan now, well, now that the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan and have access to all of our weaponry. We do have suicidal world leaders, and Obama gave them the means to create nuclear weapons. As a matter of fact, who's the suicidal world leader? The Ayatollah. I don't think he's suicidal. That's what they send their peons to do. The Ayatollah, uh, or or at least put it this way, uh, Israel has reported that the that uh, that Iran already has nuclear warheads, and they. Are threatening to use them against Israel. Now, uh, not to say that I want to go to war protecting Israel, but if Israel's intelligence says that, and Israel's intelligence has not has not been proven to be wrong that often, and if their intelligence is showing us that the enemy has acquired nuclear weapons, and now they have access to our technology to be able to uh, to a better advanced their understanding of intercontinental ballistic missiles, that's a problem. Yeah, I don't think they really have them. I mean, I think if they really have them, they would use them. But, you know, Israel does have nukes as well, I believe. The Not problem is, is if they use... More than them. The problem is if they use them, why would they use them so close to their own, to their own soil? I think that's what the problem. I think that's what they've been waiting for. Is they've been waiting for an opportunity to develop uh, missiles that can leave their soil. There's going to be a lot of collateral damage, no matter. What. I mean, especially between the United States and Russia. If it was just us, then maybe you know we could nuke some cities that. You know, we're far enough. The problem with the bombs now is they're so much more powerful. If one in Europe, it would affect all of Europe. If you use one in China, it would affect, if you use them in North Korea, it would affect South Korea and Japan and Southeast Asia. So there'd be a lot of collateral damage no matter what. And it's, I suppose it is possible we could have a nuclear conflict, but not one that actively escalates until it destroys then, the planet but then what happens a few cities oh i think the planet will be in, in grave jeopardy as well what happens if you attack the united states with a with uh say supposed czar bomb that russia developed which was uh was one of the most destructive bombs that had ever been created and you wind up uh yeah. blowing up an area near yosemite what happens what happens when you awaken a sleeping giant such well, as yeah, this? Yeah, that would be a terrible. Such as Yellowstone. We would certainly reach a population bottleneck. I species. mean, ha- half the world. If any of us be, 
Very half the human. world will be will be dead almost in an instant, and the other half of the world will be in a in a nuclear winter for decades. Yeah. And when you when you kill off the crops mm-hmm. and the animals in there, so you you'd have a, a population reset. If yeah, if anybody survived. But I, I hope, well, I always am just like in the back of my mind thinking, yeah, it's not really gonna happen. There's no way it's not really gonna happen. I suppose it, it really could happen, but you know, I don't actually think that it will. I don't think anybody actually thinks it will like soon. But it gives this it gives most a, recent article says that it gives new the troops to the Russian troops have been it, it gives new credence to Albert Einstein's uh, vision that you know, World War Five will be fought with sticks and stones. If something if something of this type of catastrophe happens, then. Yeah, he'd be one hundred percent correct. Because if a, if the world if the world order reset after that, uh, you lose all of the intellectual minds that have created us to where we are right now. I don't think that I don't think that any uh, real entrepreneur is going to be around there uh, that that will be able to get us back to par with all of this stuff. Is particularly since everything is now on the web. Uh, very few things are being preserved physically anymore. So you lose the means to produce a lot of this stuff because you don't have the blueprints for them like, uh, like you would have uh, if this happened before we the would age be of technology. It would be the world of fallout. Probably worse. You know, the whole world is radiated. Yeah, pr- well, worse if if um, the Yellowstone caldera erupted much worse. You know, it could if be a you, thousand years before we get the internet again. After you that. know, the, you know the chain of events that would happen if Yellowstone erupted. It wouldn't just be the Western Hemisphere that would be exploded, uh, but Yellowstone's powerful enough that it could very well set off this other uh, uh, Mount McKinley, Mount St. Helens. It could very well set off uh, uh, tremors that could affect the ring of fire. Uh, the ring of fire is, all, is already volatile anyway, and it, it could very well set off uh, tsunamis and tremors that could affect the other super volcanoes on the earth. And if that happens, well, now you're, you're not just dealing with global reset. You're in the age of the apocalypse then. Oh, yeah, it'll be a global extinction event. Well, without doubt. Yeah. Um, Where did my camera go off? Oh. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, it is, it's like, you know, having all these apocalyptic visions. Because every time I talk about this kind of stuff, I'm just like, you know, it's, there's, it's playing in my head, uh, yeah. the scene, you know, the, yeah. and then, it, you know, of course, like in your imagination, you can put it, put it on like super speed, like a hundred times speed. So it's like going really fast through a bunch of years. Mm. Yeah. 
And if what makes happens, it even scarier is to the UK. Nothing matters then. You know, the, the potential. I said, what makes it even scarier is the potentiality of the threat to the UK. I mean, that's not that's not a small claim to threaten the United Kingdom. What did who threatened the United Kingdom? According to your article here. Which article are you talking about? I don't see. Putin's 16,000 mile per hour Satan nuke uh, with 12 warheads oh, yeah. destroyed the Satan UK. Who, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff, I, I would presume, is probably just posturing. Well, yeah, most That's of what I'm hoping it is. But he's most also probably serious, too. I don't think Putin but makes... I don't think uh, he's exaggerating. I think he's telling the truth. I, I don't think Putin's the type of I don't of, think that means he intends to use it, though. To make uh, blank threats. I think he's if Putin not, says... But, I think if know. Putin says something, he's going to do it. And unless you give him what he wants, or you can make a compromising deal. I do think that... I don't think he will... Destroy the world, though. I think that he'll he'll be the. I think that Putin might be the only one we can rely on in this sense, because certainly not Joe. Putin might be the one that has to step in and save the world. I mean, I I, I think he would do everything that he could to prevent that before doing it. But the problem is, is we have a senile, doddering old fool in the White House with access to the nuclear weapons and the button that can just kill, that can start, that can chain it all off. Putin may be posturing. But Biden may be the type of person that at the first sign of some posturing, he just goes ahead and pushes the damn button. Well, he doesn't push the button. That's not really how it works. I mean, you know that. I, I understand, it, but I'm it just, would have get to go down to the. Yeah. Well, there was a. Uh, and Congress a Russian, is already a, triggered a soldier who actually. Who actually saved the world one time because of a mistake. I don't remember his name, but he certainly saved the world. I'm just saying, Congress is already trigger happy. Biden is uh, is not there. I mean, his brain has left the building along with Elvis. And so his puppeteers, you know, all it takes... And Biden may be the one to start it all off and be the catalyst to the to cataclysms that we've never seen before. Uh, and it's like you said, Putin. Putin may do a whole bunch of posturing, but uh, you know he's smart enough to realize the ramifications of what that posturing could do. Biden doesn't have the mental the mental faculties to understand the ramifications of that. Abandon Eastern NATO allies. I have to say that's the best decision. It might make us look weak on the international stage, but we already look weak. That ship has sailed. We might as well just bite the bullet and let them go. Biden sunk that ship uh, single-handedly. It was already a sinking ship, and Biden just came on in there and dropped the anchors to the bottom of the sea. Oh, so 
uh, next Christmas questions. So you see, I'm kind of mixing Christmas in in between some of these segments. Uh, are you a Christmas caroler? Uh, I'm not saying that you got St. Carols. I mean, are you do, you do you like do you like to turn the radio on and have the Christmas carols going this time of year? No, usually I don't. I used to when I was a kid, but I don't really. I've, you know, it's the very rare occasions when I actually want to listen to Christmas music. Oh, me. I love Christmas music. I, I, wait, I wait for this time of year because it's li quite literally the only time of year that I turn my radio on. I turn my radio on and I put it on a low volume and let it play in my house from the time of October uh, to the end of Christmas music when it's on the radio. You know, and, and that stops uh, sometime in January for us down here. I I quite enjoy Christmas music. It's just something about it, especially uh, listening to Kenny G play some Christmas music on his saxophone. There's something about Christmas music that is so uh, calming. Which brings me to my next Christmas uh, question. I think this one's, I think this one, I think everybody has a different one. Uh, best Christmas movie uh, for you at this time of year, Michael? Yeah, I don't really, I would have to, I don't really watch Christmas movies either. But if I had to pick one, I would say Home Alone. Oh, that's a good one. Which one? The original? Number one? The first one. Yeah, I think I think the first is my favorite one too. I, I like Home Alone Five a lot too, but Home Alone One was really and Home Alone Two was okay, but Number One I think it was really good. Uh, some people consider Lethal Weapon to be a Christmas movie or Die Hard. I mean, they certainly come on TV. On Christmas, I was watching TV earlier today, and Lethal Weapon was on all day. Though for for me, well. Does Christmas happen in that movie? I have no idea. It's been so long since I've watched it. But I've it's on it. it's on TV every year around Christmas time. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't so, make it a Christmas movie. I mean, what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? That we put it on TV around Christmas time? Uh, Usually Christmas happens in the movie? Like Christmas Day? Well, then would you call uh, Jurassic World a Christmas movie? Uh, when you at the opening sequence is Christmas. Well, no, but the theme, like the theme of the movie, doesn't center around Christmas. That's what it has to, in my opinion. I'm just going off the top of my head here. You know, Christmas I, I would, should be the focus, not necessarily the focus, probably, but the setting. I would probably agree. Uh, that's why, for me, my favorite Christmas movie is uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas, obviously. But at the same time, I, I am a traditionalist. I love the old stop-motion Rudolph uh, movies. when the, With the abominable snowman and the elf that pulls his teeth out. Uh, that, that I love those. I love those old stop-motion movies uh, where you have... Uh, when what was it the Santa Claus one or when he says when he goes out and he meets uh the the winter wizard 
and he's putting one foot in front of the other. They sing that little song. I love those old cheesy stop motion uh, dolls for the Christmas times. I don't. I don't think it gets much better than that. I haven't seen any of those in a long time. I I'd, even. I'd think even that... Go ahead. I don't, I, I don't even think I was. I didn't even watch those as much, much as a kid. I've never really been like a huge fan of Christmas movies. Yeah, you're such a depressing boy. Uh, but I, I would even, I would even lump in uh, fucking Bambi as a as a Christmas movie for me. Uh, a sad one, but it's one of those, it's one of those Disney movies that I watch around Christmas time because of the setting of the snow. Uh, whenever you know. Bambi gets Bambi's mother gets gets killed. Okay, I mean, I suppose if you want to make it a Christmas movie, I mean, if, if Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and, can be considered Christmas movies, why not Bambi? I mean, it's better than it's better than fucking Frozen. I don't even think Frozen. People can call whatever they want to a Christmas movie. I don't care. <laughs> if it's the Christmas movie to you, then it's a Christmas movie. Fine, I, that's fine with me. Uh, and another one, uh, I love. Uh, you know me, I love Land Before Time. Land Before Time Eight, Time of the Great Freeze. It's not Christmas because it's in the Land Before Time, but it is the Land Before Time's version of Christmas. Because you know they also have a Thanksgiving movie for Land Before Time. Uh, Land Before Time Three, the time of the uh, time of the Great Giving. And uh, well, I have all of them. I love it. Best movies in the world are living four times. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I would say uh, I, I do. I do like to watch a little bit of Bambi on Christmas time. I actually might watch Bambi tonight when I'm going to bed. Put it on Disney Plus on the TV. And moving on. Uh, I think this one ought to be fun. Uh, Kamala. Kamala, Kamala. So she goes on to my favorite show, uh, being facetious here, uh, The Breakfast Club, and talks to the, was on. the world's dumbest person. Well, not the he's not, he's, he may not be the world's dumbest person. There are people dumber than him, but he's, he's in the top 10. Uh, Charlemagne, the God, I hate this guy. I really hate this guy. He gives black people a bad name. And really, yes. I like Charlemagne. I've, I've liked him since the first time I ever heard him. I hate him. He is horrible. Absolutely, absolutely can't stand the guy. But uh, at least he made Kamala look a fool uh, when he asked her. He, he does president. have a way of doing that with people. Yeah, but you know, um, I wish you. I, don't I think wish she was on the Breakfast harder. Club, though. Uh, she might not have been the Breakfast Club. They were, they were doing some type of interview. No, no, this one. Yeah, it was some kind of interview. It was on Comedy. His show on Comedy Central. Um, Charlemagne TV. Anyway. Yeah. Well, 
he has a way of doing stuff like that, putting people on the spot, especially politicians. He did that with uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren. He made her look stupid. And he, he does that kind uh, of stuff. But I mean, and Elizabeth she, Warren's She got pissed defense. off, so she was mad. It's a, in Elizabeth Warren's defense, it's, it's not all that hard to make her look stupid. <laughs> but Kamala... It's not, but a lot of a lot of people are afraid to put politicians on the spot, and he's not. That, you know, and I I do respect Charlemagne for the for that, uh, but uh, I don't think he pushes back hard enough uh, on them, not at all, especially Democrats, uh, because I don't think that's what he's trying to do. Uh, he puts them on the spot, but then you don't follow up. They see what I'm talking about. Like you, you say, you say, who's the president? Joe Biden or Joe Manchin, but and then they fake like they think that they can't hear you, and then you don't push back. Yeah, on them. yeah. But watch how that played out. Did you watch the clip? Yeah, I did. So she basically showed herself there, asking a question like that, and then letting her answer. You can tell she was mad. Just the way that you know she responds. She was pissed off. She tried. She she lost her cool a little bit. She was trying not to. But you know, it was good no, to see. It was that's good what to I would see, expect from her. It was good to see genuine emotion from Kamala, since everything else that she's done so far has been manufactured. But she said, "Don't start talking like a Republican." <laughs> I think that part was a little forced, honestly. I think she wanted to try to stick. Yeah, she, she was trying to sound. She was trying to seem like it was a, uh, you know, kind of funny. But I could tell she was not laughing on the inside. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. But you know, Kamala Harris, she has horrible poll numbers. But I mean, what what could you expect from somebody that couldn't even get uh to that could even get to Ohio? I mean, she could even get on the Iowa caucus. She had less than one percent. When uh, going into uh, into the twenty twenty uh, debates, so what? I mean, what could you expect for somebody that underperforms that much? Her own party doesn't like her. The fact that they keep pushing her into the face of black people when black people don't like her because she's not one of them. She has no real connection to African Americans because she's not one. And given the fact that she spent her entire career manufacturing crimes for blacks in California to lock them away. Uh, and I could say some stuff about her relationship with Bobby Brown, but I'm not going to. I will also remind you, I think it was uh, on the Breakfast Club that Biden said, if you yes. don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot on, you know, stuff that ends up going viral. It's like, I think he said that, said that statement to Charlemagne. Yes, he did. And he thought it was funny. Yeah, that's just he's so short-sighted. He's sitting there smiling and laughing at it. And Charlemagne's response to it was, was no, no, no. It's not about whether you're black or not. It's about what are you going to do for me? I'm like, Charlemagne. 
<laughs> he he just he just said that if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. So you you are okay with him saying that so long as he helps out you. But everybody else, you know, fuck the rest of those niggers. Like, really, Charlemagne. I never get that. How much have you spent time watching him? Like, how much have you ever watched like a whole interview with him? Yes, I hate him. I've been watching him for years, and I just know, like, I know his personality. Every time so, he opens his mouth, I never get he that. He opens when I his mouth. Him. He opens his mouth and says something dumb. Like, for instance, I was listening to him in the radio on Breakfast Club uh, on my way to on my way to uh, to work one morning. Me, and my grandmother. And he's sitting there talking about, well, black people uh, don't do this and we need to have investments and stuff like that. And black people need to be able to uh, to invest in that. Uh, we should be voting for Bernie Sanders in order to do that. And I'm like, Charlemagne, you're on the radio every morning with this breakfast club show for about two hours, maybe more sometimes. You have millions of dollars and you're using your platform to tell people, to tell young black people, uh, to distrust the police, to not not to vote, to be Marxist, when you have a platform that could be teaching them about how to invest, well, and and you have millions of dollars to uh, to back it up, yet you aren't doing that. But you're going to complain about it on your on your radio show. Yeah, I hate to hate the guy. I'm Absolutely definitely not him. here to sign off on everything. I just don't hate him. But, you know, I, they're, they're probably the reason is because I f- first listening, started watching, listening to The Breakfast Club, mainly for music. And his like, best so just episode, to listen to interviews with uh, like musicians and stuff. His best episode was his interview with Uncle Ruckus. It was the best episode he ever had for Breakfast Club. It was funny. And it was uh very true satire, as so much of the things that are written by Aaron Magruder have been from Boondocks. Uh, the satire that Aaron Magruder talks about is really good. That's the reason why people love the show and stopped watching it when he left the show as the writer. Because the satire is funny, but and, but true. But uh, other than that, I see no reason to to listen to him because he I lose brain cells when I listen to Charlemagne. Now he has he has moments when he's really funny. And you know, I like to laugh, so I'll listen to him when he's funny. But uh you know it it, it would service uh, the world so much better if people like Charlemagne and black people like him, like Oprah, I remember I told you this when we were in the bookstore, uh would shut would shut up and put up because they talk a lot of game, but they don't do anything to, to, to prove it. You know, Oprah's given away a lot of stuff, but I've always said that Oprah would benefit the community so much more if she gave away that time and knowledge as to how somebody goes from, from being a low-grade talk show host to one of the richest women the world has ever seen. But no, she's not doing that. She'd rather give you a car, which is, you know, all lovely. How you can use that. But would you like to, would you like, would, uh, given the choice, would you rather Oprah give you a car or give you 
perfect credit. Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm just asking a hyperbole, a hyperbole. Uh, perfect credit. That's what I said. That's my answer too. Because she could give you the car or she could give you the car and help you make uh, payments on the car yeah, in your name to build your credit. With that. Oprah can give somebody a car. She can't just give somebody good credit. No, you see what I mean? Is she can give you the wherewithal and the knowledge to get that credit. Well, rather than giving you a car for free, she can give you a car and give you the and give you monthly payments on the car and build your credit up that way because you have it in your name, but she's just paying it month to month, building your credit. Wow. That you know that that's what I mean. Hyperbole is hyperbole, obviously, but things like that. She can give you the means, she can give you the knowledge so on how to build credit. So are, are what you're saying is like you're upset with her for not doing that? How do you know she's not doing that? Because she hasn't. She's done a lot. How do you know giving. everything that she does? Because I watch and follow everything that Oprah does. All black people do it. <laughs> I watch and I follow. So Oprah. she's never bought a car for anyone. Oh, she's given away tons of cars. So on okay. her show, she's given away tons of cars. But the problem is you're giving a person a car. Well, oh, put it this way. You're giving a person a fish. You're not teaching them how to fish. How will they ever know how to do it on their own if you don't teach this is them? A, this is just the way I see it. I understand why you're, why I get it. But this is also something that I see with regards to that. You know, don't. I, this is, I'm not telling you this, but, well, I suppose I am. It's kind of a waste of time to be upset about what other people won't do. The best thing is just to, you know, you to try to Let's do see. it. That's because you can't my, control what other people do. That's not my point. My point is, is in, in our community, Black people's community, but, uh, you can say the same thing just in general about low-income communities. There is a problem with the idea of philanthropy because of people like Oprah, who we where we have this idea in our communities, and not you and I, because you and I know, but the community as a whole has a idea that philanthropy is giving away things of value. When what philanthropy really is, is giving you the means to get those things of value on your own. What's the point? The point is, Oprah is great at giving you Christmas presents. She's horrible at showing you how to get them. Of course, because it's easier to just give stuff to people and feel that's, good about yourself. And that's my problem you know. with her. Do we? They, they, the community is much better served if rather than giving out a car. Oprah gave out a book on how she did it, on how she got to be Oprah. I get what you're saying, but that's just going to, most people, that's what they do. They don't take the time. They just give people stuff. 
that's, about, that's, that's how most that's, people do things. But that goes back to my problem with Oprah and Charlemagne and other people like them. They have these massive platforms and ability that they connect with people every day, and they tell the community that they're so that they're so wrong. There's so much wrong. There's all this and that wrong, and that you should be doing this and that. But they never go to step further and tell you, okay, this is how I did it. This is this this is a good thing for you to start off with. Because I guarantee to you, if Oprah came out today and told uh, black people that you need to invest in a mutual fund for your retirement, black people without retirement rates will probably drop off by about 75%. Because they, they will listen to people like her. They won't listen to people like me. They won't listen to people who they have excommunicated from the community. But they'll listen to the Oprahs and Charlemagne's of the world. I see that you're saying that this is a problem, but you know that's it's not going to change anything. I mean, I mean, there's a reason that they they're in the positions that they're in, but also, you know excommunicated i mean why would see the thing is that they're i can't speak for charlamagne but at least oprah she's she's a democrat and she's always going to fall in the establishment lockstep and that's not what they do they give people free stuff she would have to change her entire worldview and then she would get excommunicated and they wouldn't listen to her so it's a vicious cycle hey they they listen still to and then Kanye the people that, that they would listen to they still listen to Kanye and the Kardashians, and they've been excommunicated because of Kanye's wearing of the red hat of Donald Trump. And so it's not far-fetched. Then you should have hope. Because, you know, it's obvious that these people aren't going to do things differently. But responsibility lurks, uh, opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. And that's clearly what's been done. And it has been the case for 50 years. If not longer. I was just saying a random, well, not a random number, but at least 50. But I also think that that's the problem with Kamala Harris. Uh, she tries so hard to be to to be something that she isn't, and she comes off as a massive phony. And yes, she is, and a failed leader. Well, because she is, but her pro- her problems are a lot a lot deeper than that because her staff doesn't trust her. Uh, the presidency doesn't trust her. She doesn't do her job. You know, uh, if she actually attempted to do some actual work, I think people might actually start liking her a little bit more. But I think, I think, uh, I think Kamala, once she got to the positions of power that she's got into, she sort of had that silver spoon in her mouth ever since she got into those roles of power. And she has her nose in the air at everybody and believes that the world is beneath her. 
And now she's in the position where she's the second most powerful person in the world. And now she has reason uh, to say that the entire world is beneath her. So she's not going to do the work of the commoner, so to speak. Just a minute. I'm back. Welcome back. I'm going to go get a bottle of water. Oh, man. This, uh, these politics are getting pretty tiring. Yeah, they, they are. It's hard, to fo- it's hard to follow nowadays because it's so depressing. Oh, you turn on when you turn on the TV now, and everything that you see is to the detriment of of our country. It's hard to stay optimistic when you see those types of uh, those types of trends. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you you just immerse yourself in that world, I I don't really. I don't really like to spend too much time at any given time. You know, there's lots of bad things. There's lots of, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. There's also, you know, you can also choose to just carry on in spite of it. And, you know, try to take steps toward a better future as far as you can, as much as you can. But it's just the same stuff over and over. Well, this is true, but I I also I also think that uh, as as you and I have been saying to one another over the last course of these several episodes, that since it has become uh, our responsibility, uh, really the responsibility of our generation, to to keep this from getting worse, uh, the 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 degree to which we have to be involved in this and constantly have to pay attention to what's going on, uh, particularly with our peers, as they're the ones that are making these decisions. Oh, man, it is tough because it is so much more difficult to educate somebody who already has preconceived assumptions of the world than it is to educate fresh young minds. And the people that we have to educate right now are not the fresh young minds. Those are people we need to be focusing on, but those are not the ones that are going to be affecting us immediately as the people that are within our own generation. (laughs) 
Oh, I suppose it just depends on how open-minded they are as individuals. The goal is not to change people or change everybody. It's just to say what we believe to be true and in a way that people can understand if they're willing to listen. And, you know, the rest will sort itself out. Yes, I suppose that to be the case. But speaking of that, that goes on to uh, the topic that I really wanted to talk about. Uh, on the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union, um, we see in, in these articles that well, a lot of the power that Congress has they are they are not supposed to have. It seems to me that the state has abdicated so much of a responsibility by giving Congress so much more power than the Constitution as well as the Articles of Confederation actually warrant that they should have. Particularly when it comes to taxation. I mean, it's, it's gotten out of hand. As, as I was reading, uh, one of the things that I came across when I was reading it was uh, in Article 9, you know, it talks about the expenses of the common defense and general welfare. These, these things, which are part of this idea of the socialist uh, social welfare net, are supposed to already be uh, in a set amount of money within the treasury, and then that it, it will be... Uh, enumerated by uh, the individual states and defrayed uh, out of the common treasury, which will be supplied by the several states and in proportion to the value of each state. But what we see now is that, you know, you give, you give Congress the authority, uh, which Congress does have the power to purse, but then you give them the authority and they just raise this money up out of nowhere. And give it out as they see fit without having any type of consideration for uh, how it is supposed to be supplied by the states or to get or, or defrayed out by the states. We have the problem of this, the taxation beyond representation, in my opinion. Uh, Congress has become very horrible with that. I mean, I mean, there's just so much within the Articles of Confederation that just doesn't get done. For instance, Congress goes into recess way too often, yet none of the states have ever had the courage to come together and uh, stop the recess of Congress. They can force Congress to reassemble. All it takes is a certain portion of states. Now, when the when the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union was drafted and ratified in 87, in uh, 18, uh, uh, 1781, you know, it was, it only took nine states to do that. Obviously, it takes more than that now. But where are the states in this? Where are the states in their ability to utilize the powers that the Constitution 
and these Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union give them uh, as part of their uh, checks and balances to our to our uh, our republic. Because if they, if they have it, if they still have this power, they obviously aren't using it, or they have completely succeeded it to Congress. Well, the Articles of Confederation is just, we're not, that's not the law of the land anymore. But the Convention of States, there, there is a provision for that in the Constitution, and I believe it's two-thirds of the states. They have to, you know, convene a Convention of States um, to make a decision when it comes to um, certain amendments, I think that might be the only way if term limits ever happen for the legislative branch, I think that that's the only way it'll ever get done. The problem is, is that the states are not exercising that authority. You know, you, you have these people, they talk a big game, but at the end of the day, what action is being done? States aren't, the states aren't operating under any of the powers that the states actually have. You know, there's a lot of power that the states have uh, over Congress, as for, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to uh, delegates and, and uh, within the elections, but they seem to just let Congress do all of that. You know, they can go over there and can and and convene uh, the assembled Congress at any time by sending a certain number of delegates from the uh, from the several states, but they refuse to do those types of things and hold these Congress people accountable. So. You know, when I, when, I, when I went back and I read over all of this stuff, the states have their own individual constitutions, which we, which we all know. Uh, but the states have completely abandoned their post. They aren't, they aren't doing their part in, in, uh, in checks and balances here and holding accountable the federal government. Yeah, two-thirds of the states. I mean, that would, how many is that? Two-thirds would be like what? Close to 30-something? 36, I think. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to get 36 states to agree on anything. I mean, it sounds like a great idea, but, you know, I, I highly doubt that there's it's going to take a whole lot more going wrong to get that many states to agree to do that. By the time the states actually act, it will have been way too late. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's already too late now. Man, 
Well, yeah. It's, even if they did call a convention of the states, there's not much they could fix. And, he, and what they did would, you know, it wouldn't be enough to avert the approaching cliff's edge. I mean, well, we've been it's, standing it's coming, on the it's already for a while. Uh, like I said, we've been standing on the precipice of this catastrophe for a long time. And but Congress, uh, as well as this administration, has basically just been pushing us and we're teetering on the edge and they just haven't pushed us hard enough for, uh, for us to lose balance and fall over. But, it, but it's about to happen. It's soon approaching. And it seems because uh, nobody is exercising their authority that nobody gives a damn. It's not. No, there's plenty of people that give a damn, but you know how many people it would. I just don't know if there's the problem is that people just don't. The problem was people didn't speak up when things were going mildly bad. And so now they're out of control. Uh, man, this this is what happened. So, like, I was in, I was doing a debate. Uh, I think it was was uh, two days ago or or yesterday. I want to say, and it was uh, it wasn't on video or anything like that. It was uh, in text in uh, in the other Discord, and the the, the question was. Uh, do you think going lax on on crime makes the issue better or worse? And so, when I answered the question, I said obviously that when you decriminalize crime, crime rates go up. So I had some person, a liberal, come over to come over to me and say that no, crime rates go down because you start reporting that crime. I said, well. Tell me how That's, it yeah. affects Well, you. I mean, it, if it's not the, if you, it depends on what crime you're talking about. But yeah, the reason that it, it appears to go down is because the, that thing's no longer a crime. So why would you record this crime? Well, then I told them, I said, well, take for example, take for example, just recently, I didn't even go pull up older stuff because I could have. There's a lot of old things that I could have pulled up. They wanted, they wanted to try to pull up prohibition. So I said, okay. All right, let's just go with this. Every state across the board has basically decriminalized theft under $1,000. So you decriminalize theft under $1,000. Does theft stop or does it increase? Well, they, they would not answer me. They would answer me with all different types of hyperbole. I said, well, does it, stop, does it increase or decrease? He said, yes or no question. Uh. But obviously, thefts under $1,000 have increased. It's just that they are now, that they're no longer uh, major crimes. They're like misdemeanors now. And so they don't even really get reported. And you see all these smash and grabs where people are stealing millions of dollars worth of stuff. As a matter of fact, I seen the most absurd video come out of California the other day. And you, you want to know what it was? It was a woman went went into a store in San Francisco 
and robbed the store with an ice pick as her weapon of choice. And nobody would do anything because she was in there stealing less than $1,000 of her stuff. But the fact that she felt comfortable walking into a store in broad daylight and robbing it and holding up the store with an ice pick was astounding, was astounding to me. Yeah, I see that's that's California. That's decriminalized. Yeah, I mean that, that's just it's a terrible idea. And even well, what they're saying is that yeah, if you did even here in Mississippi, you, uh the law has been changed that it is no longer uh, against the law to steal under thousand dollars. It's now a misdemeanor. That's still against the law. But yeah, but you don't face any time for it. Mississippi shoplifting. Well, I mean, even if you steal over a thousand dollars, that's your life. They're not going to do any time for that, even if it's a felony. But that's beside the point. I don't see I mean, anything now, about Mississippi's law changing at all. I mean, I I heard it recently. I uh, I can't remember. It was a, it was a congressperson that was talking about. It. I can't remember which one. But you you look at um. Mississippi, obviously, we don't have the same problem that California has because you try to go steal a thousand dollars of shit in a Mississippi house, you might not make it out in time. I mean, that's it. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade down here in the south. You know, you you might not survive trying to go steal, but it also depends on the area that you do that in. Do that here in, in Gulfport, yeah, you 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 probably get away with it. Do it up in the country, up in Sochi. Yeah, oh, oh, hell no. Do that up north in the Delta. So, and most definitely not. So, a thousand dollars has been the cutoff for most crimes, as far as the borderline between felony and misdemeanor. And that's been that way for as long as. Uh, that's not what California did. A misdemeanor is you still get arrested, you still go to jail. Um, but what they did is they didn't they didn't make it a misdemeanor. They decriminalized it, so it's actually not something you can. If something's decriminalized, it can still be illegal, but it's like breaking an ordinance, and they don't take you to jail for it. They just write you a ticket. Yeah. And of that, course, all these major cities that have basically stopped enforcing those laws, of course, you're going to see what we've been seeing. I mean, I know it's when you start talking about getting rid of the police force or defunding the police. I know I can think of so many people that I know that would be salivating at the chance and they would absolutely be doing this. There's people that were that are waiting for this to happen. So clearly it's this what's happened is obvious. Yeah, it's obvious, but then you get, like I said, like uh, like you took notice of earlier, uh, these wise guys that say, well, crime's, crime is down because, you know, we decriminalized it. Uh, drug crimes are down 600%. This is uh, this is uh, exaggeration. It's not even true. This is um, just me talking out my ass, like as I'm pretending to be one of these guys. And if they don't tell you drug crimes are down 600%, and, I'll, and then I'll say, well, that's because 
you stopped reporting drug crimes. And they'll say, well, yeah, but we're down 600%. We don't have to fill up the prisons. Yeah, that's such a stupid argument because it, it's like, well, of course, crime's down. It's not a crime anymore. Why would you, you know, but the fact of the matter, that action is still taking place, whether or not the law says it's legal or not. So the actual act that was classified as a crime will increase while, you know, you can get out on a technicality and say, well, crime went down, but that's just because you're not counted as a crime anymore. It doesn't mean that the people that it's affecting don't consider it to be crime, criminal. And, and you'll that's probably not, see... That, I mean, that, that's the point. that I'm, I, I know that's not. That doesn't matter, uh, but that's not yeah. what I'm talking about. But you'll probably still see uh, cases in which the a number of police calls for what is believed to be criminal activity. People call the police a lot more, but the police get there and they have nothing to report because it's been decriminalized. So you have an increase in police calls, but a massive decrease in actual police arrests and citation. And these people champion that as if that's something that is supposed to happen in a functioning system, a functioning society. You're just delusional if you try to make that argument. It's ridiculous. I can't believe there's actually people that defend that. That's an indefensible position. I mean, you literally have to, you have to be completely intellectually incommensurate to try to argue for that and be serious about it. Like, you know that that's not true. You know that you're wrong. What are you doing? Why Why are you, I don't understand people trying to defend that. Why would you, why would you do that? Unless that's that's why I told you, you you would have fun. That's why I said you would have fun if you were in the debate that I was in yesterday or the day before that. I can't remember which one it was, but these, these, these are some of the thoughts that some of these people have. And the problem is, is that these are the type of people that wind up getting elected because they happen to be good speakers and they happen to resonate with people's feelings. Uh, oh, feelings are so useless, but they happen to resonate with people's useless feelings to the degree that they feel like these are people that they can vote for. And then they come up in there and they put these crappy policies in place and destroy places that people once considered to be prime vacation loca- uh, locations. I mean, I would never go vacation in California now, but at a time, I would have loved to go to California and visit the Redwoods. Now I'm afraid if I go to the Redwoods, I'm afraid that walking through the woods, hell, I, I might get addicted to heroin by accident, stepping on the needles. Yeah, they did wreck the best piece of property we had here in the country, but, you know, it's, you know, the landscape can be beautiful, but, you know, the state as a whole is certainly not. Well, we're at two hours, 30 minutes, so... I know, I know we want to try to keep things uh, less than three, really less yeah. than two. Uh, but we ha- we, we, we've had so much good stuff to cover. Uh, so I guess to end this one, we, you know, we're still doing our Christmas special. We have a Christmas special tomorrow. Uh, to end this one, uh, Christmas time of year, 
uh, it's it means so much to everybody. Uh, what do you think entails the Christmas spirit, uh, and what makes Christmas unique to America that it isn't so unique to the rest of the world? If you understand what I'm talking about. Um. Well, what separates American Christmas from the rest of the Western world? Yeah, pretty much. Because I, I would I definitely mean, say that it's a, you know, it's a capitalist orgy, basically. That is one thing. It's the best time of the year for business. It's probably that way, like that way everywhere. But until until this here. year, <laughs> until this year, it was the best year for business. Until the best, yeah, until until this the, year. best part of the year, the best quarter usually. Um, I mean, I can't really think of anything else that distinguishes American Christmas from. Uh, you wouldn't say that uh, Christmas in America uh, is is traditionally uh, more heavily celebrated than it, it here than it is in other uh, Western nations. I don't know. I, I don't really know. It's celebrated by the Orthodox Church on January the 6th or 7th, I believe. Um, but, you know, I really don't know if it's more of a big deal here than it is in, like, Western Europe. I don't know. Could be. It probably is, but I really don't. I don't know enough to say. Yeah, it's certainly I, I, a lot of people's favorite holiday. I guess for me, if I was going to say something uh, about the intricacies of Christmas on on these days, I I say for me, uh, what makes Christmas so so special for America is what when it comes down to it, America is perhaps. Uh, without a doubt, the most generous country in the world uh, as it relates to the amount of donations, the amount of uh, money that we spend on other nations, the amount of money we have spent pulling other nations out of poverty, uh, 80% of the world, in fact, pulled out of poverty almost solely at the hands of the United States and the UK to some degree. I, I would say that Christmas plays a lot in that, uh, mo probably mostly because of the Puritans when they first came here and how they, I mean, it's obviously changed now since it's, you know, Christmas and Christianity as a whole is not uh, as one with America as it used to be, as we used to be able to say that Americans were, or were one with their, one with their uh, Christianity, their guns and their flag as completely not the case anymore but i would say at the very beginning of everything that 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 whole sentimentality of america was it's a christian state and because of christ because of uh the teachings of christianity america sort of uh, you know, became the Santa Claus of the world in a way. I don't know if you would agree with that. 
I mean, I suppose you could say that. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's really no no other country that that sends foreign aid like we do. But there's also not that many countries that have the means to do it on the scale we do. What is this? The world. Or the desire. I guess you could say that. Or the desire to do it. Well, I mean, I I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else. It might be okay and safe to say that, but I haven't looked at any statistics. So, I, yeah, maybe. I, I just yeah. The I can't only say other, sure. the only uh, there are all, there are four uh, four major other countries that I have seen that tend to have spikes in their giving. That being the UK, Germany, France, and Australia of all places. Uh, are loving doing things now uh, bear in mind that mostly these things and particularly Australia you know, that they do is usually environmental whereas Americans are are usually uh, more people oriented uh, but Australia has made more, uh, wonderful balance when it comes to uh, oceanic technology to be able to get rid of a lot of the pollutants in the, in the oceans with these plastic bags and other islands of trash that are floating out there. Australia has really pioneered that uh, quite quite significantly. Um, but these guys do it on, on a smaller scale than we do. And they do it mostly, as I said, environmental as opposed to person. So I, I think America kind of has a uh, a monopoly, if you want to say it, if you if you want to say it that way, um, in the in that field of being Santa Claus of the world. Yeah, hasn't worked out so well. Uh, as you know, seldom times things done with the best intentions work in our favor. Yeah, I mean, well, just because you intend for something to be one way doesn't mean you, you know, it's like what, your reason it's like for a, doing it is also. It's like what Walter E. Williams says. Uh, don't look, don't tell me to look at the intentions. Tell me to look at the effects of the policy, not the intentions of it. The effects of the policy are all that matters. The intentions I don't think anybody ever intends for some of these things to go the way they are, unless, you know, unless you're evil maniac like Hitler. But I don't think anybody ever intends for these disasters to happen. But when they, when you put the, if the effects in place, that's just what they are. Well, the problem is a lot of people, a lot of politicians, let's say, don't, if you're going to institute a policy, you actually have to, consider what the worst possible outcome is and assume that that's what's going to happen in advance and then don't implement it. You have to, you have to treat it like it's going to go as horribly wrong as it possibly can, because then you you're pre- prepared for all contingencies. And nobody wants to do that though. Absolutely. Well, do you know, to, to bring this to a close, we have a show of Jay in the morning. Uh, it's going to be, Going, continuing on with our slow Sunday school lessons, 
and Growing in Christ of Jay. Uh, we're also going to be doing a, a History of Christmas special uh, uh, during that course of the episode. And we'll be able to talk a little bit more about some of the Christmas traditions that we all like to enjoy. With that being said, we're going to bring this episode to a close. So my co-host, what are your closing uh, thoughts on a lot of this chaos that we have had over the course of the chaos? So put put it this way. Uh, I'm not going to ask you your closing thoughts. I'm going to ask you to close with your thoughts on what do you think was the high of 2021? And what do you think is the low of 2021? On a national level or global? Uh, whatever you want to go with. Well, if I was going to go with whatever I want to go with, I was going to go with my personal life, and that would be getting out of prison. That was the best thing. But as far as the nation and the world is concerned, the best thing, um, well, See, the problem of trying to find something that's actually a good thing on here. Okay, I'll say this is what it is. The best thing that's happened all year is Joe Biden saying, fuck Joe Biden. (laughs) And the worst thing that's happened this year is also that. But let's say it's something else. The worst thing that's happened this year. Actually, you know what? No, let's go back. The best thing that's happened this year is that chain smoking toddler quitting getting his shit together (laughs) and the worst thing well Kim Jong-un has been slaughtering Christians and in in droves so that's why I have him listed on here as the Nero of the modern world I was going to ask you about that but we ran out of time Um, I guess for me best thing best thing that happened this year uh Ooh, it's been a shitty year. <laughs> uh, best thing to happen this year. Um, Got the podcast back up and running. Yeah, but I can't. But I can't say that because I because I start. I was doing the podcast uh, at the at, uh, at the early half of this year. <laughs> I just stopped because my computer was in storage. Um, I, I'd have to say that the best part of this year uh, what it is that um, oh God. Uh, the be- best part of this year is that uh, the Supreme Court uh, Supreme Court and Joe Manchin have shut down Joe Biden almost every step of the way. Uh, I think we have a lot to be grateful for this this Christmas for Joe Manchin. And thank God for Joe Manchin. Um, the worst part of this year, oh, there's a lot of worst. Uh, the worst part of this year, uh, most definitely for me, uh, is going to be uh, the, the the cost of inflation. Because it's hard, it's hard for me now to go buy, to go buy milk. Uh, quite literally, uh, you know, people people like to ask the questions: How can you be worth a million dollars and struggle to buy milk? Well, it's called assets. You don't have all those assets until you cash it in. 
you know, million dollars in life insurance doesn't get you anything until you sell the policy. And I'm just not old enough or dead enough to be to be uh, useful. I believe you'd have to that. fake your own death to get that. Oh, well, you, you can sell your life insurance policies, uh, but you have to be at a certain age and have a certain a certain degree of collateral. Uh, so there, those are those are policies that are set in place by the IRS. Um, which is why it is important to always have life insurance because it is a valuable asset and increases your net worth by a lot. Uh, but with that being said, uh, we thank you guys for uh, tuning in with us on this Christmas night and. Uh, you, well, you'll probably want to listen to this episode after Christmas, but uh, we thank you guys for coming and following us along the way of the year. So uh, starting in 2022, uh, you know, season three has only had maybe four or five episodes, but 2022, we're going to go straight into season four and it's going to be on like Donkey Kong once January gets here. We're going to be running hard, running strong. We're going to push this thing as far as we can get it to go and continue to push these things uh, on all other platforms. We ask you guys to continue to give you give us your support, share our content, like our content, download our content, uh, participate in some of the polls and questions that we have or that you can see exclusively on, our, on Spotify. Um, join us on our Discord. Join us on our new Facebook page, which we're still developing. I, I, you know, I've opened it to the public for people to come in and visit us, visit with us there. We'll be doing some exclusive content that you can't get on the podcast on the Facebook page. So it's really good that if that you join us on, over there by becoming a patron to us, and you'll be able to get access to that. Uh, we've got so many things, uh, so many. So many great topics, uh, you know, I, we're, we're coming up on topics that are going to be really passionate for me. I love talk, I love Black History Month. I hate the concept of Black History Month, but I love it because it gives me the opportunity to uh, to scold Black people for 28 days. And so I'm going to have fun with that. Uh, my, my co-host looks at me like, oh, he's just saying he's going to scold Black people. Yes, yes, I am going to scold them until they bleed because <laughs> they deserve it. They need to be taught a lesson. Um, but uh, you got anything to add on this? On this, I mean, you've you've joined me at the later half of the year, and uh, I think it's made a significant difference because I, you know, I write these episodes and I, I, I upload these, I record these, I edit these. It takes so much time out of the day, out of the week for me to do that, especially when I was writing episodes. You know, at one point in time, I was writing episodes um, at the beginning of the year uh, when I was doing this. Uh, I would go to Waffle House about two hours before I went to work and I would write my entire episode at Waffle House eating breakfast and then record when I got home from work at about six o'clock that night. And that was how I was doing it. I was writing an episode a day uh, between my trips to Waffle House and home and then recording. And then a lot of times waiting to the weekends to edit them because I just have so much. 
So when you come on, you add a lot to it that, you know, prevents me from having to take so much time away from being able to do things. Plus, we've also toned down the number of episodes. I don't, I don't have to try to make an episode a day, which I was trying to do that before. And then you are much better at getting the message out there on social media than I am. You know, I, I, I drop the ball when it comes to social media. So, you know, you add a lot. You add a lot to it in that. Jay has added a lot to it in that. He's been a, a guest on my show many times. Now he is a guest host for my Sunday show. I guess you can call him a co-host for the Sunday show. Um, so anything you want to add before we uh, close down this winter, this, when I was going to say winter special, this Christmas special? No, I think that's about it. All right. Well, then you guys join us tomorrow when we do our Sunday special for Christmas with Growing in Christ with Jay. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, I'm very terribly sorry that you guys didn't get to catch the last episode of of Growing in Christ with Jay, but you can go to our Facebook page. You can see uh, a message on that, but I forgot to record it last time. It was a great episode. But we won't have that mistake again. So tune in tomorrow for a really good episode of Growing Across with Jay. And with that, we're going to go ahead and shut this down.